pulling out the cotton. I mean, you just see it again and again and again. And that's been good for humanity because it's been a, allowed people to get out of these mundane jobs that weren't good for them in the first place and allows them to go find other things where they can be more valuable. Welcome to Unmiss, your go-to digital marketing hub. I'm Anatoly Ulatovsky, here with expert tips and exclusive chats to boost your online game. Let's get started. Hello, good people. Welcome to our show. Hello, bad people. Welcome to our show. Hello, welcome. Today we are going to discuss more about creating, developing, growing your business, uh, how to find the right way. M many different insights because it's very important to know unique way. Uh, don't copy others. Uh, to consider your strong side. Uh, to learn uh, your customers more. To think about competitors weak sides uh, many different insights i'm so excited to discuss a lot more with tim martinez how are you i'm doing well i'm really excited to be here thanks for having me uh, big pleasure wanna learn more i manage my own business even a few projects um, i love this experience i cooperate with many people globally uh, we are hiring in the US, India, Ukraine, uh, Pakistan, many countries. I don't care about your location. I care only about uh, value that you can bring to my business, you know, to my projects. Uh, and I don't understand when companies can ignore uh, great people, uh, experts in different countries. Uh, for example, I outsource people who can uh, work in Nigeria, Pakistan, and these experts can write for Forbes, Investopedia, big websites. If uh, Forbes can hire such people, it means they know how to bring quality. Tim, before we start, just tell more about yourself, experience, background, uh, and anything that can help our listeners to learn more about you. Yeah, sure. So um, all I've ever done in my life is build businesses. So I was building businesses before I knew what entrepreneurship was. I was the kid with a lemonade stand. Uh, I used to make t-shirts in my garage and sell them at high school. I was a DJ. You could still see the turntables. Back I there. often see them. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I, I used to DJ parties and weddings. I had an event company. Uh, I used to own uh, retail stores, skate shops. I grew up skateboarding. So I used to own some skate shops. I had a coffee business. Uh, if there was a business to be owned, I owned it and I used to build apps for iPhone one. Um, and I got lucky and I sold a couple of the businesses when I was early and people started asking me, how are you doing this? Because I didn't have any money. I didn't go to business school. I, I you know, I was just kind of figuring it out and just making things happen. And I decided that I would start a consulting business and help people that were in my network, help them start their businesses. And that was probably over 20 years ago or around 20 years ago. And I haven't stopped. And since then I've been able to work with the small businesses from my very beginning onwards to publicly traded companies, very large privately held companies all over the world. Um, and it's been a complete journey and a great experience. And that, that's what I do to this day. I build companies and I work with founders. I work with CEOs and their executive teams. And I just help them make their businesses bigger, better, stronger, so they can, you know, pursue their dreams in whatever fashion they want to continue to do so. Yeah, love it, love it. Yeah, yeah it's important to have this experience and to uh, teach others by having this experience. It's not like to share some yeah. insights without uh, real practice. And Tim, uh, you mentioned that you sold 
a few businesses. I'm curious about uh, you created these businesses for the sake of selling them or uh, you just got great proposition and uh, found, I mean, like uh, the level, the, the peak when you are ready to sell because it's tough to uh, to grow them and uh, decided to change priority. So can, can you give more insights yeah. about that? Yeah, well, bear in mind, I was young. I was very young. I was probably under 25. And the first one was a store that I owned in San Diego. And I met these two uh, young guys and they wanted to start a store of their own. And I told them, I said, you know, if you're serious, I'll just sell you mine. And they said, really? I said, yeah. So their dad came in the next day and wrote me a check, mm -hmm. negotiated. He wrote me a check. I handed him the keys to my store and I said, see you later. Um, you know, I had that young energy. I just wanted to keep moving and keep going. I had a coffee, a mobile espresso business. So we had a truck uh, making espressos and all that stuff. And I found a lady online who wanted, who was looking to buy a mobile espresso business. So I just sent her a note. I said, do you want to buy mine? I have one. She said, sure. So I drove it over to her. She handed me a check and there was that. Uh, I had a PR firm and one of our clients, they were going to hire a marketing team. So I said, well, why don't you just buy my agency and we'll just be your internal marketing team. So, okay. Right. So it was all really simple. Me looking for the opportunity and not being too, uh, holding on too tight, if you will, like I yeah. have to be a hundred year old business. It was more just, I'm doing this now and here's an opportunity to add value to someone who's looking for something that I got. And then it gave me the opportunity to take a little money. If nothing else, I was getting back what I put into it and a little bit more and then I could go do another thing because I had that energy. I just wanted to keep doing things, you know? So that that's really was my early experience. But what, what did it teach me? It taught me that everything is for sale. <laughs> it taught me that everything's for sale. Um, and it always taught me to be opportunistic, looking for those opportunities uh, to sell your business and to really think about your business, not as your personal identity, but as a business, as its own entity, almost like a child, yeah, right? Yeah. Your child, you are not your child. It's your child and you're doing everything you can for the child. But if at some point in time you need to release it into the world. So that's kind of yeah, yeah. what I learned early on. Nice. Nice. And, uh, I'm interested about, uh, for example, you got, uh, the request to sell your business. And uh, if someone was interested about your business, it means uh, you can find better proposition from others, uh, but you accepted the first proposition and have had the deal for one day. Uh, and uh, do you think it's a good idea or you just got the proposition that you can't deny? Uh, I mean, like, <laughs> yeah, um, I, th there were very unique situations, mm -hmm. you know, and I, be I believe God works in if you're paying attention, they say opportunity knocks softly. So listen carefully. So I was just paying attention to what was going out there. After all these many, many, many years of building businesses, working as a management consultant, I've worked in investment banking, I've done real mergers and acquisitions, completely different game, right? Now, when I build a business, I'm always building with the intent to increase the enterprise value for a future exit. Mm -hmm. So I'm looking at our EBITDA, I'm looking at our margins, I'm looking at our top line revenue, I'm, I'm looking at our monthly recurring revenue, annual recurring revenue. I'm looking at more sophisticated now at businesses. And if I were to buy in a, a business today or invest into a business, that's what I'm looking for. Looking at valuations, completely different game now 
than when I got started. When I got started, it was just wild energy. Like, oh, let's let's create this thing and let's just sell it. And let's just keep yeah. going and going and going and going, right? I was young, I didn't know. But, and sometimes there's beauty in that. But I would say to anyone listening or anyone in your audience, look at your business as this separate entity that has its own value. And your job is to increase that value, increase the enterprise value. Every single day that you go to work, your job is to make it more and more and more valuable. So the eventual time comes for you to sell the business because you cannot run a business forever. You will die. Yeah. So you have to have a succession plan or an exit plan. Yeah, nice, nice. 100% you will die. Uh, I will die. Anyone will die. 100% without any doubt. But one thing it's important to consider to be happy if you handle any business. For example, let me share a short story. Uh, if, like five years ago, probably, yeah, even more, uh, we created one project because of chasing money. So uh, my team found a market gap and decided to fill this gap to earn a lot of money. And uh, we hired a big team of people, uh, great experts, uh, but I hated this business. I didn't understand how it works. Uh, I just found this gap. And after three years of working hard uh, to manage, to uh, searching for ways, I got it. I hated Monday. I love Friday and I quit. <laughs> I, I gave up. And for me, it's not a bad idea to give up if you hate it. Uh, most people, uh, According to data, 70% of people are unhappy on their jobs. And for me, it's a bad idea to chase something when you are unhappy. It's better to enjoy the process, to love it. Don't think about rewards, think more about the process. Uh, and you mentioned that you have different projects, different businesses. Uh, you had experience with that. Can you tell how you can focus? Uh, for me, it's important to focus uh, and to grow one project. Uh, and spend more resources, attention to one specific project than uh, to handle a few projects. So basically, how you can decide to uh, find great managers who can help with that, find great people. Uh, yeah, let us know your methods, how to focus sure. on a few projects. <laughs> It's a great question. And I think you have to do a lot of introspection. So mm -hmm. I'm always journaling and reading and going on long walks and thinking in the shower about, you know, what does it all mean? I get very existential. Um, what am I trying to accomplish? Who am I? Who did God create me to be? What is the value that I was brought here to bring to the earth? Um, what is my sweet spot? What is my center? Right? What do other people think my sweet spot in my center? Where have I historically failed? Historically, time and time again, what am I terrible at? And what am I great at? What am I world class at? What am I the best in the world at? Whatever that is, I need to sit in the center of that and do nothing else. I need to be right in the center. And if I'm doing things on the perimeter and I go further and further out, I'm diffusing my light. I'm diffusing my effectiveness. I'm diffusing my power. So I don't want to diffuse my power. I want to sit right at the center. It's taken me a very long time and I, and I discover who I am every day. But I'll tell you where I try to sit. I am not a tactician. I don't do tactical work. I hire people to do tactical work. Do I do some tactical from time to time? Of course you have to. You have to write some emails and maybe write some things here and there. But really I'm a strategic thinker. And my job is to keep my partner's heads on straight. My partner, my job is keep my clients heads on straight. 
And I hold the line. I hold the line for everybody. And I say, our job, our number one job is to increase enterprise value. So everybody knows that if they call me, I have one message, grow, 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 grow. Until the day someone says, I'm ready to tap out, let's sell. Then, that, then, then we start looking for that whole process. But otherwise, it's grow, grow, grow. Let's keep your head on straight. Now, I don't get involved as an operator. I really try not to get involved as an operator of a business. I don't want to deal with human resources. That's why we hire human resource people. Let them deal with the problems. I have attorneys that deal with it. If there's any lawsuits, I have uh, CFOs and CPAs that deal with taxes and all of that, right? I have account managers and graphic designers and anyone and everyone that you need. But for every organization I get involved with, there's always a CEO that's going to operate and run the business. I try to stay behind the scenes, more at the board of directors level, board of advisors with clients, CEO advisory, CEO coach, CEO guide, whatever you want to call it. It's really just helping people get focused so they know what their priorities should be, getting clear clarity, and then just alignment on what the next steps are need to be. So every time we communicate, we just go back to, are you focused? Do you know what you're trying to accomplish? What's on the desk? And I, I love really just talking about your number one challenge, right? Yeah. CEOs deal with 50 challenges in a day. I don't care about those. What's your number one? So to answer your question, long story short is I just don't get involved. I keep myself from getting involved as an employee of any business or as a tactical manager of anything. I just stay strategic. Mm -hmm. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Love it. Uh, Tim, uh, let's imagine um, you have a new client. Uh, this client has great product, good team, uh, and probably this client can think he knows everything about his product, about his customers. Uh, but you need to learn existing process. You need to learn uh, the product. You need to think how to update and grow this business better than someone who knows exactly about the products who spent many years to develop to create the process uh, to hire great people uh, what how you can start to uh, help such specific client uh, to find the gaps for someone who thinks he knows everything about this product so uh, tell your methods of doing yeah yeah that is very common that is a very common problem in consulting is you have a client that hires you as a consultant management consultant to come and do some strategic work and build out a roadmap. And they are jumping in at every little step and telling you that's not going to work or it can't be done this way. So you really have to take a pause and say, why did you hire me? And I think everything starts at the business development process. You need to set very, very clear client expectations before you ever sign a client. And you have to understand their personality profile. So if somebody is, let's say, a, a owner operators are very consistent with this profile that you said, it's my baby, it's my identity, I've done everything for 20 years, you're not going to tell me you're like, well, then why did you hire me? Right? You, you can get around these situations better with questions than with answers. So uh, my recommendation is don't be prescriptive, just ask a lot of questions. Mm -hmm. Because you'll never run out of questions. You will run out of answers. So just ask a lot of questions. This is like, well, well, you're not doing it right. Okay, well, let's let's take a step back. What is right? If, if you were the only one that could do it so right, why did you engage with us? Why did you hire us? Well, I thought you guys were the experts. Well, what led you to believe that we were the experts? 
well, when you guys were talking to me, you said you were the experts. Okay. Do you believe we're the experts? Well, I'm not so sure anymore after the work I've seen. Well, what's your expectation of the work? What would you need to see in order to believe that we are the experts? Do you think this relationship is working? Would you like to continue this? Right? What, what, how much time are you prepared to go find another vendor? Just asking a lot of questions, mm -hmm. right? And, and getting their comfort level. There are some clients that you're never going to make happy. So in, in the business development process, you have to identify those people and say, there's, there's not a good fit. There's not a match, right? Because we're going to drive each other crazy. So let's just respectfully not work together. But what I see so often is people, they need the business. Oh, I need a client. I need a client. And even though everything was terrible in the business development process, all the signs and all the cues were there. Do not work with this person. You still signed them. So you make your bed, you have to lie in it. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, you need to understand each other. It's minimum. Uh, if you don't, it's better to, <laughs> yeah, well, I, I agree. It's better to leave. <laughs> and there's a profile and it's an easy thing to find out, which is have you hired other consultants in the past to solve the same problem? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Very often they will say yes. You know, they'll say, they'll say, they'll say, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. You're the third or fourth consultant we've brought in to solve this problem. Just no one seems to be able to solve it. And you're like, well, it's probably not the consultant's job. Uh, you know, it's probably something more deeper that's going on here. Right. Yeah. Hiring another consultant. You know. Got it. Got it. Tim, uh, can you tell more about patience? I know it takes time. From my experience, uh, I cooperate with many big clients and I see it takes time to get results if you change something. Uh, and um, we need to experiment. It's not like that I can bring something unique. Um, yeah, we, we test, experiment. We can fail and learn from that to think how to change approaches. And it's patience. You mentioned about expectations. Uh, I think um, I see when people build high expectations that, okay, I will get overnight success or a lot of sales uh, in a few months. But sometimes it takes years, you know, working hard. Uh, can you tell uh, how to build the right expectations and think more about uh, experiments. I mean, like, okay, I created the strategy. I think uh, the strategy will work fine, but uh, we need to test and change. And for me, it's okay if you change your mind. Okay, I created one, but uh, I'm not sure it will work because I have another strategy. So tell more about patience and building right expectations. Yeah, so um, that's a great point. And honestly, that, that is the way to build the expectation is you say, we're going to create a strategy. We will test the strategy, short-term test. And then we're going to look at the data and then we're going to optimize. And as we work together, all we're ever going to do is test strategies and then optimize and then test and then optimize and test and optimize and test and optimize. That's all we're ever going to do. So if you work with us, that's how we work. We test and optimize, we iterate. We test, optimize, iterate, right? So if you hire our firm, that is the expectation that I'm setting. I'm not setting an expectation that I'm going to write you a 20-page strategy plan and put it on your desk. We're going to do one thing and then we're going to hope to God that it works. That is, not how we, that is not how we work. So if you're prepared to work with us, and this goes even into how you scope the engagement, right? A lot of times people, oh, it's 90 days for us to do the, the initial deep dive you know, and, and then we'll come back with a strategic roadmap and phase two. It's like, look, 
we want a, a long-term relationship here because all we're going to do is test and iterate, test and iterate. We're going to be your testing partner. Consider us a, a testing consulting firm, right? Versus a management consulting firm that has all the answers. And, and that goes into how you, um, like your unique selling proposition in the sales process, which is uh, we don't, we, we have as many questions as you have, Mr. Client. But what we're going to do is we're going to pull out the magnifying glass on your behalf. We're going to run these tests. We're going to come back with the data and we're going to keep it going, keep it going, keep it going. And this is how you can build these very long-term client engagements. And the clients go, okay, great. So you, you're not on the hook. The tests are on the hook. They're judging the tests. They're not judging you. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Um, Tim, uh, can you tell your methods of consultancy uh, and let me clarify more about that i mean like um i often see when you recommend something it's not only about me according to data uh, companies implement 40 percent of all recommendations uh, basically if uh, a company pays you 100k yeah good money uh, but uh, they are busy with other priorities projects uh, to develop to, uh, to think about competitors customers many things but um if they implement only 40% of all your recommendations, 60K is wasted. <laughs> so can you tell your methods how to simplify this experience of transferring data, especially if you need to transfer to a department or a person and these people need to transfer to other people. So, I mean, like how to simplify experience or uh, importance, understanding importance of uh, using your recommendations? Yeah, yeah, no, that's a good point. Uh, and I totally understand where you're coming from, from your world of the implementation. Mm -hmm. I would tell clients upfront, almost as if I was trying to talk them out of doing the business with us in the business development process. I'd say, look, we really, we would love to work with you. And I do think there is a good strategic fit here for us to have a client consultant relationship. Our concern before we commit to any relationship is that 40% of clients actually achieve implementation. So we don't want to set ourselves up for failure and we don't want to set you up for failure. So let's have a conversation about it. And until we both feel really good about this conversation, we don't expect you're going to implement hundred percent. Right? That'd be crazy, but we got to get over 40%. 40% is very, very low. So let's talk about it. Mr. Mrs. Client. What do you think it is that you need to see in order for us to get over that industry standard of 40% implementation? Because you're going to be wasting 60%. We, we want to achieve 80%. That's our objective. Mm -hmm. So what is it that you need to see from us in order to buy into 80%? And they'll tell you. But yeah. I, would, I would put all of that on the table. Most of the times when, when I'm in a business development cycle, um, I put all the negative aspects on the table. I say, yeah, look. This is why these engagements fall apart. Here's where clients typically get dissatisfied. Uh, I'm putting everything up front so we can talk about it because I'd prefer to talk about it before we're even clients than six months down the road when, you know, things are falling apart. Let's talk about it now. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. Got it. Uh, Tim, uh, I, I can share my marketing experience because we often cooperate with uh, big clients. Uh, and um, what we usually do we help to fix marketing strategies, uh, marketing methods, uh, and we often see when companies implement some strategies for a long time, for a few years, without getting great results. Uh, I uh, saw when companies wasted 500k uh, in paid marketing, uh, 
to get zero leads, uh, many different things. Uh, and uh, we usually fix marketing strategy and it takes time to find the right way to be more creative, uh, to fix content, to uh, rewrite almost everything that we have. Uh, can you tell about uh, your methods? I mean, like, or you can share some uh, real experience, how to fix uh, business process. Uh, I understand about marketing. We can fix organic reach yeah. methods, uh, paid marketing methods, but what about business growth? Uh, do you help to develop products uh, to learn about uh, specific methods uh, to manage the process between departments? So uh, how you can find these uh, yeah. gaps in the business? Yeah. So I created a course on this years ago because I was uh, consistently getting in to interim COO roles. I would get pulled into an organization. I would have to put in all the infrastructure and I did it again and again and again. So I, I built my methodology. The first thing that I like to do is take each department as a silo and jump into that department and say, okay, we're gonna create all the systems and roadmaps inside of this one department. So for example, if we're looking at a larger organization and say, great, we're gonna start with your marketing department, okay? Inside of each department, I like to build out an org chart, an org chart today and an org chart of the future, right? So I'd say, okay, we're right now, here's who's in the org chart of this department. And then here's how eventually this department grows. Then we build out all the processes. So what I've discovered is most departments have, I don't know, let's call it between five to 10 uh, core functions. Like the, all they do is just really zero in on about five to 10 core things. And 10 is a lot, right? So you really call it five. So a marketing department, you're like, okay, well, we do social, we do ads, we do content, we do, you know, you name it, go down the list. So then, then we take each one of those core functions that they do in the department, and then we silo that out. So we say, we jump into that. We say, okay, well, let's talk about social. What are the processes for social? What are the research? What's the strategy? What's the game plan for just social? Who does what and what sequence? And then we build out flow charts just for social. So step one, step two, step three, and most flow charts are usually about, let's call it five to eight steps in every flow chart. So for, for social, it's like, okay, well, we have a Monday meeting, we do hashtag research, we do the copy editing, we get approvals, and then we get the distribution, right? It's five steps. I'm making it up. So inside of every flow chart, you have three core elements, which is um, who is responsible for each step, who's the stakeholder, what is the step well-defined and then what tool are you using? So for example, you could say the stakeholder is Bobby, our social content manager. Uh, the step is he needs to research the time he may need like 30 minutes to do so. And he's using, you know, SEMrush or SpyFu or one of these to Google or something. These are the tools that he's using. That's just for one step. Then you go to the second step and the third step, and then you fully define out all the flow chart of your social media department process, that is done. Then you go to the next piece. Now we're going to go to email marketing. Now we're going to go to ads. And then once you've done that, you've fully defined the department, the marketing department. And now it's bulletproof. You have KPIs next to everything. You have stakeholders, you have timelines, you have tools, you have budgets, you have everything dialed. Then once that's done, you then go to the next department and do the same exact thing. Operations, HR, hiring, discipline, you know, raises, the whole bit, right? Then you go to the next and the next and the next. And once that's done, then in between those departments, you create communication plans. So how does one department communicate with the other department? Can you just walk in the door and be like, hey, I need this thing? That's disruptive. So how do we communicate 
inside an organization. This is when you start looking at your meeting formats, the flows of meetings, uh, how long are they, what's the outcomes, the objectives. And then you tie that, everything back, you tie back to a, a complete five-year strategic roadmap. And then you have a pretty good plan on how to scale and grow your business. It's still a plan. It could fall apart, but at least when you put in all those pieces, it allows the managers and especially the owner to pull back and start rising to the strategic level. And they start rising and rising. I can't tell you how many times I've done this for clients where they say, Tim, I don't know what to do anymore. I hear it all the time when we implement this type of roadmap. Like, I just don't know what to do anymore. I go, great. <laughs> great. Yeah. Right. What, what should you be doing? What do you want to do? And they go, well, I would love to, you know, mentor the team more. Great. Go, go do that. I'd love to yeah. work on strategic partnerships. Go do that. Right. They're not, they're not reading every piece of copy anymore. They're not sitting on every employee review. They're, they're just doing now doing the things that are more strategic and that's the ultimate objective. So I hope that answers your question. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. Um, uh, I, I can imagine it's hard process. It's not like, um, uh, you can listen many times. You can learn a lot, but in practice, uh, you, you need to feel it, you know, you need yeah. to act. What it'll, you, it'll take about six, six months. Um, mm -hmm. six to nine months, I would say, to go through the process and everybody on the team needs to be committed. So you need to have the buy-in of all your stakeholders. Everyone needs to be part of the process of optimizing your business. Yeah, got it, got it. Um, Tim, uh, I want to ask about new technologies uh, because we implement a lot AI mm -hmm. today. Uh, yeah. And um, I spoke with um, Jeff Coyle, co-founder of Market News, and he told me that in the future we will have three companies. The first company will implement AI, the second develop AI, and the third company will be obsolete, who can leave the trade. <laughs> and we implement a lot AI. I can't develop, create uh, OpenAI, Microsoft, Google, but I'm on the second stage to use these technologies to grow my businesses. And we got much better results. We increase our results by using AI to use automation, different approaches. Uh, uh, we are going to increase our resources with AI. But uh, can you tell uh, how you use new technologies or specifically AI uh, in business development? Uh, or uh, do you recommend to your clients to implement AI more and more? Yeah, uh, AI is the name of the game. It's the name of the game. The jury's still out as to how fast adoption will occur. There's still a lot of governance issues, um, compliance, you know, we're not fully there on everything, but I look at, especially chat GPT is my, my buddy, my assistant, right? And when you're working, when you're doing research or, you know, I, you're putting together a plan, you're writing something, I just go there and say, you know, give me different perspectives. What's a different way to phrase this? How am I not looking at this? And chat GPT starts to learn you know, and then before you know it, you're having a conversation with this thing throughout the day. That's how I'm using it is, oh, well, that's, that's really cool. So for example, if I want to repost this, I would go chat GPT. I'd be like, hey, write me, you know, 300 words on the repost of this video. And there's boom, boom. You're right. I'll, I'll look at it, tweak it, make my changes, maybe even like just pull one sentence out, use that as a tweet or whatever, right? Give me some hashtags for this video, that kind of stuff. I don't need to wait anymore for my researcher to come back to me or my copywriter to come back to me. So I've, I've condensed my time, right? I've taken what used to, you're just waiting a lot of times. So that's the thing uh, with larger organizations that we work with. Um, the mandate from the top down is 
implement AI into the organization. So just like I was saying, how do we optimize a business? We're now looking at every single department and saying, how do we adopt AI in every single uh, department? And what is our five to 10 year roadmap for adoption? So for example, uh, let's say you're a 500 person organization uh, and you're thinking, okay, human resources, it's a big job. How do we use AI and human resources? Well, we can write job descriptions, we can write reviews, we can have listening tools, we can do personality tests. AI is in all of that, right? You look at the marketing department for an organization, let's say they ha have 50 people in their marketing department and 10 of them are copywriters. Well, you know, and, and another 10 of them are graphic designers and, uh, and maybe two or three of them are researchers. And you're looking at this thinking, I think those jobs are going to be obsolete in the next five years. So we have to start asking this question in the future, in 10 years, will your organization have more people or less people? Will your organization have more people that show up to the office every day or less people? Will your organization be using AI more or less in 10 years? I think the answer is more. I believe we will be using AI more and more and more and we'll be relying on that tactical aspect less and less and less because it just doesn't make any sense for us to do so. It's like when the robots came in and they're screwing in the, you know, the car parts, you're like, well, I, I don't need a human to sit there. Or like when the cotton gin was created, you're like, we don't need people in the field pulling out the cotton. I mean, you just see it again and again and again. And that's been good for humanity because it's been a, allowed people to get out of these mundane jobs that weren't good for them in the first place and allows them to go find other things where they can be more valuable. So I think that's where we're, we're headed. Yeah. Um, love it, love it. I, I agree. And I, I think uh, we still have time before Terminators will kill all human beings, you know, when uh, <laughs> we don't need any job. <laughs> and today it's a big mistake to ignore AI, because if you ignore today, AI will ignore you tomorrow. Um, and um, we use a lot AI, a lot. Uh, I play with ChatGPT too, but today we have 11,000 AI tools. Uh, I started to play with uh, AI video editors. Um, uh, I uh, generate these pictures, many things with AI. Uh, we use even AI to predict crypto prices uh, for some specific projects. I can't say that uh, you can get uh, accurate results, but we compared with data from experts and got it. Uh, we can consider, I mean, like if you don't put all X in one basket, yeah, you can earn even with yeah. that. So uh, many things we can do with AI. And uh, uh, today... Well, one thing I want to say about that mm -hmm. is people get nervous about AI, right? Oh, it's, you know, it's going to take over the world and the robots and everyone's going to die. But you're like, you've been using AI for like the last 10 years. Mm -hmm. You just didn't know it. Yeah. You know, so you've been using it. Everyone has been, we've all been using AI just to set the record straight. It's just uh, now becoming more and more public and these tools are becoming more, yeah, more accessible. I, I see who is worrying. Uh, really, for example, uh, when ChatGPT appealed, uh, after that, 5% of content creators and marketers lost their jobs. Uh, it's not because of ChatGPT. It's not because of other AI tools. Because someone... Uh, can adapt to AI and can, can replace these people. So you have no other choice. You need to play with this tool. Uh, uh, and uh, you need to learn how this tool can help you. Uh, so if you ignore, then uh, someone who can adapt to this tool can replace you. It's not because of AI. Any other tool can do this job as well. When yeah. Photoshop appealed, when, I don't know, social media appealed, yeah, uh, 
companies that used uh, yellow pages, um, someone replaced them with Google because of Google. So if you ignore digital, then uh, it happens. If you ignore AI today, it can happen. If you ignore short videos, it can happen. So we need to adapt. Probably augmented reality will change the game. I don't know. And and competition is real. You know, people people want to think that business is all, you know, it's all love and it's not. It's brutal out there. People are waiting to take food off of your plate, off of your children's plate. Of course, of that's course. just that's just locally. We're not even talking about you know uh, globally. Like it mm-hmm. is very very competitive out there, and if you're not prepared to go out there and really just kill and kill your food and kill your supper and like dominate, mm-hmm. I don't know what you're doing in business if you're not prepared to like really play the game. Yeah, and it's a big mistake to think that you have loyal customers, people are looking for better solutions. If oh. your competitors can provide better solutions, they will leave you. It's, yeah. If you want a loyalty, buy a dog, you know? <laughs> you have this loyalty, but if you wanna uh, uh, have loyal customers, you need to be better than competitors. That is why Apple can invest a lot in yeah. innovation. Uh, Amazon, Google, they always invest most of income to innovations uh, because other companies can replace them yeah and right. we saw many times uh yeah when, well, when they have happens, the, uh, the influencers the ai influencers now right uh, yeah. <laughs> and you just get a robot and they'll do whatever you want and yeah close yeah. on them still get paid in sponsorships You're like whoa yeah tim uh i have a lot of questions but i will ask two questions and I recommend to anyone to follow you on social media to keep learning to update what we have uh we have our format and but uh, my main question about your experience, um, I uh, see when companies, um, uh, you can have much better cooperation with companies that understand what you do. Uh, I mean, like, uh, if someone wants to cooperate with you, uh, they need to understand. If they don't, it's tough. Uh, any expert can help uh, without understanding. It's the same like to lose weight. You, you can find the best coach in the world, the best uh, trainer, nutrition. Yeah, you can. But uh, if you don't understand why you need to eat healthy food, to drink water, to train hard, you, you can't lose weight. It's the same with a- any niche. And uh, we get great results with companies that understand marketing. They understand why we need to create high-quality content, why we need to think more about sales funnel than to get more traffic engagement. Many, many different insights. Um, I want to ask you, if you started today from scratch, without any experience, knowledge, skills, it's your first day you are going to create your first business. Uh, you have no idea how it works, but you have a dream, big dream, you know, to win the market. Uh, what will you do to learn everything from scratch to uh, build this background? I mean, like uh, basic of understanding how it works. YouTube. YouTube? Mm. That's my only answer. YouTube. Ah. Um, yeah. You know, when, I, and I'll, I'll give an antidote with this. When I was young, I would go to the library and read and read and read. I just read books all the time, business books, uh, biographies. I loved it. And I would always find templates in the back of these books on how to write business plans. And then I would go to uh, work with these, this nonprofit organization in the States called Small Business Development Center and SCORE. And they would have these old time retired executives and they would look at your business plan for free. I would go to Chamber of Commerce events and Rotary Clubs, very, very old school. It's the only place I knew where to get information as 16, 17, 18 years old. I didn't know anything. 
you know, I didn't have any money. I didn't, I didn't grow up with a silver spoon. I just went to the library because I had a free library card, yeah. right? And it was a slow process. Yeah. Slow. And it is building a business is a slow process. Now I'm on YouTube almost 24-7. No matter what I'm doing, if I'm if I'm going on a bike ride or I'm doing the dishes or I'm making my kids dinner, or what, you name it. I'm just listening and I'm constantly learning. I, it's the best thing. Podcast. Uh, for example, if you're trying to figure something out, A, I would start with what what do you like, right? Because we all have certain aptitudes. There's a whole methodology that says, you know, don't follow your passion, you know, that kind of stuff. I think you should follow something that you like, yeah. right? Um, and something that your your natural tendency is for that. Some people are very technical thinkers. So they're very good in engineering and development. Some people are very creative and they can't even write an email, but man, you give them a pen or something to design with, it's beautiful, right? So you kind of have to know who you are going back to the introspective and what you like, what really kind of turns the knob for you. If you love animals, well, you know, you're probably going to be pretty successful working in an arena where, where you can help in that, you know, capacity. And there's a million things you can do even inside of that. You can own a chain of veterinary clinics doesn't need you need to be the veterinarian right i mean there's a lot of different things so i would i would pick my passion i would go to youtube um i would find i would find a mentor that resonates with you and and this is not it doesn't have to be a personal mentor but find someone online that you like their content and just go deep so i, I forgot who it said they said i fear the man who um has practiced one kick a thousand times not one thousand different kicks like you don't need to go down the rabbit hole of every single influencer yeah. out there. Pick one or two that you really, really like. Buy their books, take their courses, watch their videos, go to their conferences, let them mentor you. 99% of the time you can get it for free. They're putting yeah. it out there. And when you're ready, then you commit for that person for all the value they've given. You're going to get have a bigger impact going that route. So for example, if you like real estate and you're like, I just want to get into real estate, I want to sell homes, I want to do this thing. Find someone in your area that does real estate, go deep down the rabbit hole with that person, buy their books, buy their courses, buy their programs, like really commit and let them bring you up. That's what I would do. That's that's where I would head. Yeah, nice. Valuable. Bruce Lee said about this. Uh, you need to, uh, yeah, he said like, you. Uh, I respect someone who can uh, train one hit 10,000 times, then uh, 10,000 hits. You know? <laughs> yeah, so, exactly. Yeah, yeah it's, it's the same it's thing fun. with the books, right? Um, yeah. I still read a lot. I mean, everywhere, I'm all over my house and all the corners are books. And my, my kids, my wife, we all read a lot. But, you know, there's times where I think I really should just stick with one book almost for like a year. I mean, look at the Bible, right? Or any 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 religious book, right? There's not thousands of copies of like different books. There's There's that book. There's the Torah or whatever it is that you're into. It's like, that's the book. Right. I know I read this book called Principles by Ray Dalio. Mm -hmm. that book yeah, is, it's so brilliant. It's one of those books you can go back to time and time again. Uh, Think and Grow Rich. When I was a kid, I kept that in my back pocket all the time and thing was just torn apart. Think and Grow Rich. I lived on that book. Um, so sometimes it could just be that's what I was saying with like one mentor, one book, something that you just love. Adopt the principles and really apply them. You know, I think nice. that's going to get you further. Yeah. Yeah. Love it, love it. I think books are foundation. Um, and some books you can read many times, like Dale Carnegie. You can take any of his books, can read. I I love Jack London. Uh, he yeah, wrote yeah. all these books 100 years ago. But when I uh, read any of his books, I can live on this journey. I can forget about me, water, 
sleep anything because i'm on this book uh, and he was great to share uh, some adventures with uh, i don't know with science um, i don't know how he could learn human psychology 100 years ago but he can share any side of human beings and martin eden is one of the best books ever written yeah. <laughs> i love this book yeah tim and my final question um about your daily routine about your schedule how you start your day how you finish your day how you prioritize things and how you find the balance between family and your business yeah um so my routine is pretty simple and it really hasn't changed since i was a young man i, I get up around five o'clock and i try to work out for 32 minutes to an hour uh, it could be anything when i was young it was like oh, you know get strong now it's like stretch <laughs> you know uh meditate maybe do some you know some deep stretching or something but i you know i try to do something monday through friday monday through friday that's the routine um and then by the time i'm done my kids are getting up around six you know and i work out with my wife so that's great because i have a partner you know my life partner that i could just share that morning with with no kids no interruptions we get to work out together so we feel like we've accomplished the day we get each other up we hold each other accountable I've been doing that for a long time. And the kids get up, you know, make breakfast, they go to school. And then the first two hours of my day really are kind of introspective. So I do some journaling, I read, I research, um, I kind of prepare for my day. You know, really that first hour is like that prep. And then the second hour, and I slowly move into phone calls. From By the time we get to like 10 to 2, I'm just pure phone calls. It, I'm very meticulous with my time blocks on my calendar. If I showed you my calendar, you'd be like, well, this is cr a crazy person's calendar because it's all time blocked and color coded. And I try to really stick to my time blocks, time to create content, time to read, time to have dinner with the family, time to spend time with the kids, time to go to church, time to work out, time, right? Time, 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 because you have to be the master of your time. If you're not the master of your time, then you're just going to be a slave to whatever pulls you. So I like to own my time. Um, Saturdays and Sundays are for the family and for church. So like Saturdays, it's, it's family day. It always has been. I don't like to take phone calls. I don't like to check emails. I like to spend time with my kids. But during the week, my kids know I might be putting in 12 hour days. You know, like I might wake up at five and not turn my laptop off to like seven because I'm just so in the zone. I'll take my break. I'll take dinner. If we take our kids to karate, I'll go with my wife. We'll have a cup of coffee and whatnot. But we have this narrative in our home, which is, you know, it's not it's not work. It's purpose. It's just purpose. So my kids know like dad is pursuing his purpose. Dad is helping people. So I'm so passionate about helping people. I'll, you know, after the kids go to bed at nine o'clock, I usually go to bed around 10. I might be on the laptop like one last hour just getting it in because I love it. I love the game. I love learning, I love yeah. researching, I love reading, I love all that stuff. So um, and my wife has been on the on the same page. You got to get your your spouse and your kids on the same page. Like we're building value, we're creating an empire. We're adding value to everyone's lives. We're helping people. This is something that we've been created to do. If we can do it, we should always do it. We should always give. And this way it's less about, um, well, you work too much. It's like, I never have those conversations in my household. And I, and like, likewise, I don't do that to my wife. If she's grinding away and work on her projects, I don't get in her space and say, oh, I feel neglected. Like I know she's adding value. So you have to have a lot of transparency in your home in order to live that kind of life. Nice, nice, awesome, awesome. Thanks a lot for finding time for this podcast <laughs> to share yeah. value with us. Yeah, much appreciated. Tim, tell the best way how to keep learning from you, how to reach out to you, how to follow you. Yeah, sure. Uh, so you can find me by typing in Tim, the inside man. 
The Inside Man is the private consulting practice I started many, many years ago. It's an acronym for Tim. It stands for Tim, the Inside Man. Uh, so you, you find me, I'm on LinkedIn. You type in the Inside Man, you'll find me there. Uh, I run a blog, I run a Substack, and every week I publish. And I usually just publish thoughts. It sounds just like this conversation. You know, wake up in the middle of the night, have a thought, I'll create a blog on it. Um, and then, yeah, my LinkedIn will show you all the different businesses I'm involved in. If you need support, consulting, advisory, uh, that's where to find me. And then I'm currently running a entrepreneurial community called Entrepowerment, and it's free. Anyone can come on in. We meet uh, every Tuesday at 7.30 a.m. Pacific Standard. It's a free one-hour open call. People can bring their problems or issues. Uh, we do the hot seat. We bring in subject matter experts. We're just having a lot of fun. We started this about six months ago, and we're up to about 130 members right now. Um, and it's it's awesome. We just completed a 21-day challenge. So we're having a lot of fun with this, this free, cool entrepreneurial community, mainly because there's a lot of isolation as an entrepreneur so i said you know what let's break up the isolation let's just get together on on tuesdays anyone that wants to join come on in if you can't join the calls there's a thread in the forum in the chat you could jump in we just have conversations it's really cool so um entrepowerment is the name empowering the entrepreneur yeah nice nice guys you can find links uh to linkedin account to the website in the description below i recommend to anyone to follow team because i follow i need more valuable insights i know uh this world is crazy we need to move fast we need to adapt fast uh, if you don't do it then competitors will do this job instead of you and you will be replaced uh it's, yeah it's better to uh to adapt in time then you will win uh thanks a lot tip a big yeah. pleasure yeah it's so valuable you know how to share this valuable bombs you lead me to an emergency room i need to spend time to think how to adapt <laughs> to change uh, some processes that i have in my business and yeah uh, guys thanks a lot for listening and watching us thanks for tuning in to unmess enjoyed the show drop us a review on your favorite platform and help us spread the digital marketing wisdom see you next episode